IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast presented by Insurance Business. Hello, and welcome back to IB Talk. I'm Danny Wood, news editor of Insurance Business Australia. Today, one of the issues we're looking at is the quality of the educational resources available to people in the insurance industry. ANZIF, the Australian and New Zealand Institute of Insurance and Finance, is one of the most important insurance industry professional associations in the Southern Hemisphere. It's also an education provider for the insurance industry across the Asia-Pacific region. It has a membership pushing towards 20,000 across 50 countries. Most members are in Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong and China. So we're in the Southern Hemisphere, in Melbourne, Australia, at the ANZIF headquarters, where Prue Wilsford, who is CEO of ANZIF, is joining us. Hi, Prue. Hi, Danny. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. I suppose you're at the headquarters, which I guess is probably your your bedroom somewhere in, in CBD of Melbourne. <laughs> Spot on. However, I can call it the headquarters because for the last two years, today being the uh, second anniversary of COVID, uh, I have had the uh, corporate mail redirected to my house. So it's fair to say that uh, I am from the mailroom to the CEO all rolled into one. Oh, great. <laughs> I was actually looking through our archives and we interviewed you back in 2013 when you just started heading up ANZIF. And I thought a, an opening question could be, if it's possible to do this, I mean, how would you characterise the near decade in your job so far? It has been the most rewarding and extraordinary journey that I could possibly have had. I have uh, enjoyed it uh, immensely for so many reasons. And it's every every day is a new day and every year is a new year. Uh, so I've been very lucky and very grateful for the experiences that I've been able to have. So what's one of the reasons that makes it such fun? Well, firstly, insurance Insurance is such a diverse community and the range of incredibly interesting people who who care passionately about what they do is, is a never-ending joy. And so to be part of ANZIF, uh, which serves that broad community, uh, is is constantly constantly full of amazing stories uh, and challenges that the insurance sector faces. You regard yourself as uh, as the leading insurance and finance membership education training and professional development organisation. I mean, how how do you measure that? And is that from membership numbers? And and what are some of the challenges being that organisation? It's it's a complex set of measures around you know what does good look like, um, and so obviously you know membership numbers is 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 a part of that. But we do extensive membership surveys uh, every year, and we get fantastic feedback from our members about uh, our strengths and opportunities to improve. Uh, you know we've got solid net promoter score sitting around um, the thirties. Um, which which is which is very solid, and we continue to work on improving that. But of course, we also get student feedback, um, which we take very seriously and make sure again that we we continue to improve. We also um, look at our reach in social media, which which continues to increase every year. And I, I certainly want to give a great shout out to our very creative marketing team, who continue to. Um, find new ways of speaking, not only to our members, but also the industry, and importantly, um, a much broader community 
uh, within social media so that they can come to understand um, and and value insurance. So yeah, quite a quite a wide uh, range of of, of measures, um, but certainly uh, our number of members is kind of a, a headline number. Mm. And is it? Am I right in saying it was? It's pushing twenty thousand. Yeah, is that's that about pr- the- pretty close. It you know waivers here or there, sort of eighteen, nineteen thousand. But yeah, it's it's quite a substantial membership. And essentially, most in Australia, I imagine, and the difference in New Zealand then split between Hong Kong and China, or is that? Yeah, about about twenty percent of our members come from outside Australia and New Zealand, um, but you know, quite naturally, given our history and our role, our our largest memberships are in Australia and New Zealand, and they're broadly proportionate to the size of the industries themselves. Mm. When you started in your role, you you visited China. Uh, what's ANSIF's approach to the Asian region, which is, I suppose, more politically tricky these days than it was when you started? Yes, well, politics is not our bag, um, but education and, and professionalism are. Our, our approach in each country is different. Um, in many countries, we, we partner with local institutes and there's there's a, a very good reason for that. And you know, I'll pick on a Thailand as an example where we have a long and warm partnership with the Thai Insurance Institute. There are elements of the local environment that are always going to be um, best served by the local insurance institute, um, the local law and regs, the um, the local environment. But there is also um, a strong advantage in having a broader international perspective in terms of you know what what uh, good can look like, and Australia has some particular advantages um, built out of our history. Uh, one is that you know we are an internationally respected education provider. You know, and, and, and until the pandemic, uh, international education was in our top five exports for quite quite a long time, and our core education system, the um, Australian Qualifications Framework, is, is a globally respected uh, education framework and, and ANZF teachers within that framework. So, you know, there is a, um, a strong education bent within, within the Australian economy and the Australian social fabric. The other is that we are a very mature market. So whilst Australia only has, you know, 25 million people, we have a very sophisticated financial services sector. You know, our superannuation industry is one of the biggest in the world with over a trillion dollars in assets. And our insurance industry has uh, unfortunately uh, benefited from a significant collapse of an insurer HIH, which happened, you know, approximately 20 years ago. And the regulatory frameworks that exist with our Twin Peaks regulators of ASIC and APRA are very sophisticated and, and again, globally leading. So little old ANZIF, um, the wonderful not-for-profit that is here to help grow the technical capabilities of the insurance industry, uh, works through Asia where, you know, there are growing economies and essentially, as economies grow, insurance needs to grow because you need to manage risk, you need to spread risk. Um, and, and so, you know, those, um, those economies uh, then need to build a more sophisticated insurance sector to continue to support their economic growth. So 
thinking about how we work in Asia, those partnerships are, are really important to us because um, they have local needs, but they also have the need to understand what a sophisticated insurance market looks like. You know, and, and each of those economies is, is at different stages of development. They have different political systems from, you know, democracies through to um, uh, communist nations. And so those um, political systems also have an influence on, on how, how their insurance industries are growing. So if I look at, you know, as I said, the Thai partnership, which has been a, you know, in place for some decades, they teach a number of the, the local elements, but they also teach the ANZIF uh, courses so that there is this lovely mix of an internationally recognised qualification with a local flavour. So, you know, in some countries we teach directly, just our own materials are not, not uh, uh, threaded through with, with local elements. They, they might be taught by the company itself. Um, and, and so it varies, it varies depending on, on the country and, and just its stage of development. It's, it's been part of what's been so fascinating for me has been, um, that experience of, of working across so many different countries. You know, basically you, you walk into, um, you know, these countries and you say, hi, I'm, I'm Prue, I'm from Anzif and, and we're here to help. And, and you have the opportunity to meet senior regulators, to meet uh, senior practitioners within, within all segments of, of the industry from reinsurers, brokers, uh, underwriters, loss adjusters. And they have such interesting perspectives and they give me personally access to um, a conversation about the development of those countries that that I, I don't think I would have been able to access in any other way. And they are all different. You know, we talk about Asia as, you know, Asia, but they, they really are all different in terms of um, the stage of development, the kinds of people. Uh, but what they all have in common is, is, is a group of uh, interesting people who are genuinely interested in um, people having good cover, relevant cover, and and doing that in, in a great way that, that supports people when they need it most. So, yeah, it's been um, an extraordinary experience and Hong Kong and China have been um, uh, great opportunities for ANZIF to, to share that, that skill and expertise in, in very specific ways. So, so before COVID struck, were you something of a, I mean, at times a, a roving diplomat for your organisation, absolutely. Um, it's it, it's been such an extraordinary change for me. You know, not travelling. I would probably have spent two to three weeks in Asia every year, um, and certainly, you know, a lot of time in Sydney as well. And um, you know, I'm grateful that I had six years in the role before COVID because those relationships are uh, established. You know, I was building on existing relationships, but my personal relationships were established and I have been able to maintain them you know, electronically. Um, uh, but I, I, I do miss the food. <laughs> from, from where in particular? Can you share some of the sort of insights from your trips that you've had? And I mean, food, I guess, is an important part of meeting people often. It is. And, um, you know, it's, I, I have really enjoyed some 
wonderful local meals from and and particularly I've I've enjoyed Vietnamese food. Um, there's you know so many dishes available there um, that you know we've got great Vietnamese restaurants in Australia, but but it is it is wonderful to eat local food and and Chinese food really has such amazing variety. Um, I, I was saying to my host at, um, at, at, a, at a meal once, I said, you know, the way the Chinese do vegetables, the variety of vegetables that they use and, and the way they cook them is, is just amazing. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, but if we had your meat, we'd eat that way too. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> But but um, but yeah, I really have enjoyed the food, and and food is, as you've said, such a, a wonderful way of um, connecting with people in a uh, slightly less uh, structured formal environment, and where you really come to know uh, more about the individuals, more about their companies, and uh, therefore more about how ANZIF can actually really assist over the long term in in different ways. Mm. Could you quickly sketch what it's like for Prue Wilsford when you touch down somewhere? I mean, what, what, when it before COVID struck, where somewhere interesting you went to, and what I mean, what what was what happens when you arrive? Well, you know, it's it's fairly busy. There's a, a huge amount of pre-planning that goes into um, into setting up those trips, and I am one of those people where once I'm there, you know, I'm it's all pretty full on um, and so you know we would usually have uh, four to six meetings per day um, and you know given given that we are traveling that that's you know always in in their offices and as I said you know we will meet with senior regulators so for example in China that would be the Insurance Association of China uh, with whom again we've had a long and fruitful partnership uh, but also other industry associations, whether they're broker associations or reinsurance associations in, in the local environment. Uh, and then we will also meet with um, uh, companies. So we'll go and visit their offices and, and speak usually to a combination of um, heads of HR and learning and development, uh, but also to um the senior practitioners and underwriters who are able to explain to us where they see their strengths and their opportunities uh, and the challenges that they're facing in terms of their business. So they will tell us about you know, how much premium they're writing, uh, which lines are profitable, which lines are challenging, um, why they think they're challenging, and then that helps us uh, then work with their L&D teams to say, okay, so if, if the problems for example, in China, um, car insurance has long been problematic in terms of profitability. So what can ANZIF do to help them understand their pricing, their customer proposition, their claims proposition, so that they can overall improve the profitability of that line of business? And, and you know, and then the regulator, of course, has a perspective on on what is needed, um, and and we can weave those stories together and understand the different companies' perspectives, and and themes emerge that then help us structure our learning to be relevant to to that that community. Mm. Is going going back a few minutes, you, you mentioned the HIH disaster here in Australia and how our regulatory framework now is the, the envy of many. Um, but I mean, I still hear people in the insurance industry who you can tell are a little bit um, 
I know, I guess, averse to being regulated as much as they are. I mean, how do you find on these international trips, are people um, positive about Australia's regulations or do they uh, like to sort of avoid bringing in those sorts of regulations in their own countries? Look, I think I think you have to respect the... Um, the history and stage of development of, of each of each country, and it is different. Regulation is an interesting, um, an interesting double-edged sword. Um, at at one end, you've got trust, and at the other end, you've got control. And if you if you breach that trust, then regulation is a proxy for trust because what it is doing is saying, well, you haven't managed yourself well and therefore we're bringing in regulation to, you know, create a minimum standard which is effectively a proxy for trust. So I think, you know, that that's a real challenge in terms of where that pendulum sits between trust and, and control. Um, when... People from other countries look at the Australian industry. What they do see is a highly profitable, generally, uh, profitable um, and consistent industry. And, and that's been certainly for different lines of business, you know, a real challenge in, in, in Asian markets and is, is a challenge in certain lines in Australia, certainly at the moment. Um, and, and so from the outside, you look at and you say, well, it's consistent and it's profitable and they are good indicators of of a mature uh, structured market which which I think are things that emerging countries do want um, so for Australia I think it's the other side which is well we do have a mature market we do have a consistent market and additional regulation um, is often positive but it is as I said a proxy for trust mm, let, let's change tack for a, a few minutes in, in that in that first interview nearly 10 years ago, you mentioned a, a program called No Risk, and I just was wondering how, how that went or if it's still going. No Risk was a wonderful initiative that um, was going when I started at ANZIF, and um, it, its main focus was on uh, independent education of the community about what risk is uh, and therefore how to manage risk and understanding that is insurance is an element, not the only element, uh, but a strong element in terms of, of understanding your own risk profile and uh, how, how you can effectively manage that risk. Uh, the program itself is no longer going. Uh, however, we have utilised all of those materials and created um, additional curriculum materials for schools and universities. Uh, and we also have provided uh, a lot of that information to the regulator who also runs an excellent program called Money Smart in Australia uh, where they have a whole wide range of tips on, on financial services and, and how individuals can importantly not fall victim to scams which are you know increasing and particularly through COVID phishing and those sorts of things um, and and so the program whilst it doesn't exist in its in its um, the form that it was in has has lived on through our careers in insurance program and through our, our wide-ranging uh, university and school education programs 
I do want to make a particular call out to QBE and Steadfast, uh, Steadfast Brokers, who were ongoing wonderful supporters of that program over, over its life. They were fantastic partners to, to have on a program of that nature. Mm, let, let's look look a, a bit closer at education. And when you look on the ANZA website, there's no shortage of insurance-related certificates and, and qualifications. But when I talk to people in the insurance industry, I mean, they often tell me that compared to banking, for example, there aren't as many education options and others uh, would say that while it's a lot more professional in the industry now than it was 20 years ago, there's still something of an absence of educational resources for, for people to use. Is that a, a fair criticism, do you think? And, and what's, I guess, ANZIF's role there to convince these people otherwise or provide those opportunities? Yeah, look, it, it's an interesting question and, and there have been a lot of changes over, over the last few decades. I think one of the really interesting things about insurance is this discussion about, you know, what is a profession, what is a professional, um, and importantly, um, the diversity of skills that are required to come together to deliver an amazing insurance experience. So banking's actually quite a narrow uh, set of skills compared to insurance. And part of the reason is the nature and breadth of, of risks that we cover and situations that we face mean that um, I often say, name a degree and I will tell you a job in insurance that will build on that body of knowledge. You might be a geologist, you might be an engineer, you might be a nurse, um, you might have a law degree. All of those skills are required to, to deliver insurance. Whereas in banking, actually, you don't need as much of a breadth of skill as, as you do in insurance. So there's this combination of um, uh, applied insurance experience that is required, along with this breadth of skill um, from, from our community that reflects the community that, that we serve. So in terms of thinking about um, changes to education, there are certainly, I think, good education options available and ANZIF is certainly at the forefront of, of delivering those across the entire value chain. We are the only uh, educator that does support all parts of the insurance value chain, you know, brokers, loss adjusters, um, insurers, reinsurers, life insurers. And so I think we have a unique perspective on the strengths and opportunities within the insurance industry to continue to grow the technical capabilities. I think that there have been changes, um, probably, oh, probably around 20, 25 years ago, um, there was quite a big change in the education environment, which, which which encouraged insurers actually to to build their own education and to perhaps collaborate less than they had historically in terms of building technical capability in the industry and i think i think in the long run that probably hasn't served them um, as well as collaborating um, and and we've seen you know increasingly a return to collaboration which i think is is very positive mm, so so collaboration would that include things like offering internships and that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, um, there are a number of organisations who do that really well. Um, 
and, and you know, all kudos to them. But actually, I'll, I'll use it, an example from the life insurance industry, um, which, which ANZA um, launched last year. The life insurance industry in Australia had a burning platform. It was deeply unprofitable and had a series of, of um, you know, fairly public uh, issues in terms of uh, customer value propositions and, and claims management. So as, as a result of that, um, there were a few CEOs who, who really recognised the need to improve the technical capabilities of the life insurance sector. And they also understand how critical this is in terms of the employee value proposition. So with and through ANZIF, we built a collaboration of seven life insurance companies, which represent 95% of the retail market. So essentially, you know, the life industry. And we came together and we signed an MOU and ANZIF then collaborated with them to create a, um, a competency framework across claims, underwriting, product and distribution with, with a particular focus on, on claims and underwriting. As part of that project, the CEOs recognised that there were some, uh, there was a need to set um, a professional standard and, and arising from that, those companies have committed that everyone in claims and underwriting will will do a foundation requirement uh, for the foundation certificate, which is you know sort of four competencies that that focus on law and regs and ethics and professionalism and um, products and services, and they will then go on to do further training um, over over the next couple of years. So that is a wonderful example of an industry coming together to collaborate, to set a mandatory professional standard of its own accord. No regulation, no external driver, just the absolute recognition that professionalism matters and it matters in terms of building trust in your um, broader community, but also building trust within your employees. One of the things that's, uh, as I'm sure you will have will have seen in your time in insurance, is is that from the outside, insurance can be quite opaque in terms of the careers and and the amazing career opportunities, and and being able to articulate as an industry that we are professional, we will invest in you, and you have a career path within our industry that is portable around the industry is an incredible step forward by the life industry to do voluntarily. And, and I think it's um, increasingly an important part of the employee value proposition in the what's in it for me part. Mm. Is, is that life life insurance model you, you mentioned of educating and, and training people, is that something that other sectors in the insurance industry are considering taking up or are you pushing it in other areas? Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> as, as I'm sure you know, uh, the claims handling framework um, became law on the 1st of January and that's uh, required all of the insurers to, um, to actually become licensed for their claims handling. And as part of that, they need to uh, demonstrate that their people are competent to deliver the services um, that that they are licensed to provide. Now, part of the challenge in insurance and part of the joy in insurance is that different companies 
have different models. You know, it might be that they're direct, it might be they're intermediated, it might be that they're an international, it might be that they're a local. It might be that they are an underwriting agency operating under authority from uh, a, a licensed issuer. Um, they might specialise in one line, they might do a million lines. So the variety um, of of offers available in the community is fantastic for customers, but also then a challenge in terms of saying, yeah, that's great, but actually what does good look like at a minimum level for the claims handling experience? And one of the collaborations that ANZA fled last year was a fantastic group of people who, who all came together to, um, to discuss this topic and to build on the experience that we'd had with the life sector and and to begin that journey and it is a journey uh, of establishing a framework for for claims handling on the general insurance side mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier um, how uh, someone studying geology has a certain amount of skills uh, i don't think you mentioned doctors but you're mentioning all these different professions and how that's the knowledge they need but in insurance you need all of that knowledge plus other stuff and one of the, the sort of feedback I get it from, especially from people of, of my kind of vintage, you know, middle-aged men <laughs> who are thinking of retiring in, you know, 10 years or something, is that they say, they, a few of them have said this, they say, when we go, you know, we, we don't know how to transfer our knowledge on. There's no, there's not a brains trust or a, a storage facility, you know, no one, we don't go out for beers anymore and have drinks with people. That's not such a done thing. Like passing on the that experience um, they seem very worried that that's all just going to go. Is that a, is that a, something a concern you get? And does there need to be some kind of I don't know digital archive <laughs> keeping people's insurance stories or something? Yeah, what an interesting idea. Um, one of our one of our student support advisors is a wonderful man called David Bowen, and David is not a young man. Uh, but David has provided guidance and advice to generations, literally, of, of ANZA students. You know, an, another example is, is one of our long-term collaborators who I, I'd like to call out the, the very lovely Anthony Morgan, um, who is, you know, a well-respected loss adjuster ac- across the whole of, whole of Asia. These kinds of people have been involved with ANZA for decades and they are you know subject matter experts they are student support advisors they mark exams if if that's the the mode of of study Um, and and so there there is there is there are threads of 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 that knowledge that that come through ANZA and and our um, our community that are that I think are really important education is a part of that answer, but so is experience and skills. So if you if you think about education in isolation, it's not the answer. If you think about how skills are built, there is this wonderful combination of learning and practice. And so the, the, the best way of building that is by having active conversations about what someone is learning and how they're applying it in the workplace. And so it really needs to be this partnership. Saying, Danny, you just go off and do that course and then not encouraging you to talk about 
what you're learning, how that's changing your day-to-day practice and, you know, giving you the opportunity to practice those skills, the education is not as valuable on its own. It needs to be a partnership with the employer and it needs to be uh, and in partnership particularly with their line manager who who needs the skills to be able to have that conversation in, in a truly valuable way. So, yes, we are part of that solution, but we're not the only part. Mm. You, you've mentioned this in, in some way. The, the other thing I hear from brokers, and this will be my, my sort of final education question, but they, they lament that um, TAFE now and all of these entry-level courses are all online more or less completely. And so there isn't that person-to-person discussion in the classroom, bringing up ideas, you know, what did you think, what do you think, as much as there could be in a physical classroom. is I mean, the whole industry is becoming more digital and online and, and, and going in that direction. Is that side of education, the fact that, um, you know, the young people coming into the industry may have done their insurance certificate in front of a computer and not in a classroom physically, is that is that something that comes up with your members sometimes? Yeah, look, it is sometimes. Um, and, and there are, as with everything, pros and cons of all approaches. So it, it used to be that you would join the insurance industry and you would toddle off down to the local institute and do your classes face-to-face, you know, a couple of nights a week for a couple of years. And, and, and that's wonderful. But we also have people who are in Broome and in Wollongong and in you know, every place in Australia and New Zealand. And the equality of access to quality education is actually really important. Um, you know, it, there are not the, um, the numbers of people in those centres to be able to support face-to-face learning in an, in an ongoing way. So that, that reality must be faced into and we must be able to provide a quality experience regardless of, of location. The other thing is that employees really value flexibility. Um, you know, we've done a lot of research around talent acquisition and retention and flexibility is a non-negotiable in terms of employees' uh, value proposition these days. And so being able to say, well, it's it's lovely that you're on the south coast of New South Wales, Danny, but you need to be in Sydney three nights a week for two hours to do your face-to-face course. Mm, that's not very flexible. <laughs> Don't force me to do that, Prue, please. But, but that, that actually is exactly what people will say. So being able mm. to provide a great education experience for you that fits your lifestyle, that fits your time commitments is actually really important. So in that sense, online really is a a critical part of it. But I come back to that broader employer responsibility in terms of people development. And so that conversation, that mentoring in in the um, employment um, experience is as critical as the technical education. We're coming to the end of IB Talk, but I just have one one more question for you, Prue. I'm just wondering what you see as the biggest challenge facing the insurance industry in 2022. Yeah, there's, there's a short list for that, Danny, not. Um, so firstly, 
you know, I did touch on on previously the the regulatory environment and and I, I call it the tsunami of regulation that is coming out of the Hain Royal Commission is is now coming home to land, and and you know insurers really are stepping up in terms of of those requirements. The challenge in that is that it takes a lot of energy and time to do that well, and you know that balance between the customer and regulatory is is i think going to be quite quite a challenge in a truly talent constrained environment so you know there is a we were talking about the war for talent last millennium but frankly that was a skirmish this is the war uh and so being able to attract great talent to our industry at the moment i think is um is a very significant challenge. And then the third challenge is the potential spectre of inflation and and ESG issues. Um, And I I think that they are potentially very significant issues. You know, our industry is working incredibly hard on um, particularly environmental issues. Um, But, you know, there is a concern that um, uh, as insurers make calls on their risk appetite around environmental issues, if that is not integrated into uh, a very thoughtful transition plan from our government, uh, we will end up with some level of disorderly transition, which will not be healthy for our our economy and will not be healthy for individuals within a, in those affected industries. So, yeah, a few small challenges. Um, and But what I do know is that there are a bunch of incredibly smart, capable people who really care about those topics and they will uh, they will work hard to make sure that insurance remains relevant and useful to our economy and to individuals. Prue Wilsford, CEO of ANSIF, thanks very much for talking with IB Talk. Danny, wonderful to speak to you again. Uh, stay well. And join us next time on IB Talk. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.